0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Megan Nutting, who is Executive Vice President of Government and Regulatory Affairs at Sunover Energy International. Hi, Megan. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So I guess we can start off with a quick introduction and an answer to the main question of the whole podcast, which is how'd you do it and why
1: should I care? <laughs> I love it. Um, my name is Megan Nutting. Like, like Leila said, I'm the executive vice president of policy at Sonova Energy Corporation. We're a residential solar and storage services provider. So we put solar and storage on your home and on your roof and make sure that you have cheaper electricity and that if your power goes out, then um, then you have access to power. And so I got really involved in solar and, and electricity markets more broadly back in 2009. Um, it was just after the 2008 crash. I graduated from grad school in 2008, which was terrible timing, and I don't recommend doing that. Don't graduate from school during a recession. Um, and I was I was sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and where I was going. Um, and I worked for a couple of governmental entities and politicians, and I ended up um, finding a job at a solar company called Solar City which at the time had just a couple hundred employees and nobody had heard of them. And it wasn't clear solar was really going to be a thing and people were struggling to find jobs. Um, and so it, it was sort of a weird time, but I've I've always been really interested in environmental issues. Um, when I was in college, I lived in a dorm called ecology house, which is where all the hippie kids lived. We had drum circles and composting teams and most of us were vegan. Um, so I'd always, I'd always focused on environmental issues and, so when I was offered a job with a solar company, even though it was sort of unclear what the future of solar was and what this company was, um, I was excited about being able to pursue something I really believed in, which is mitigating climate change on a really um, on, a, on a broader scale, and working for a company that was doing that.
0: That is awesome. So it seems like you were very interested in the planet from a very young age. You mentioned when you were at college, you know, you're in a house, which couldn't even be more fitting. But I guess what inspired you to really look at an industry and um, to look at the industry of, you know, helping the planet and um, being sustainable? I
1: remember back in um, middle school or elementary school, we were learning about cutting down the rainforest and I felt so worried about it. I just I remember thinking. Don't, you know, save the rainforest until I can get there and do something about it. Um, And I've since met the founder of Rainforest Action Network and talked to him about that. And he said it was because of him that they sent curriculum to all kinds of schools to teach kids about the rainforest. Anyway, so I thanked him for putting me on the path that I'm on now um, because I was so worried as a child that our environment was being destroyed.
0: Wow. That's such an inspirational story. And it's good that you had that passion from a very young age and you were able to pursue it, you know, through your studies and also now in your work. Yeah, thanks. It's thanks
1: to the (laughs) rainforests.
0: That's (laughs) awesome. So you mentioned, obviously, your education played a big factor in um, your career. But what were the other amazing resources that you
1: used to sort of get to where you are today? Uh, People. People are are the best resource. Um, You learn from them. They get you jobs. They um, they help tell you what's what's available and what's what opportunities there are. Um, so it's it's people that have been great. So um, I was really lucky in college and in grad school to know some amazing um, students and professors, and it's it's thanks to them um, that I've learned what I have, and that I you know in in large part that I am where I am. Um, I also spent a lot of time reading really boring reports, and, like regulatory documents, <laughs> <laughs> and and I highly recommend it. I mean, if if you have some time on your weekends to to learn more about the industry you're in, it, it, that, that never hurts. So the sort of boring resources that are really, really valuable, I recommend those.
0: Awesome. And it seems like you were pretty much a go-getter. You know, you did all this research yourself. But were
1: there any lessons that you wish you would have known before starting in the industry? There are. Yeah. I, and not even within this industry. But before I, before I started working in solar, I worked in government. So I worked mm-hmm. for two politicians, both women, um, very passionate about getting more women elected, um, and I wish I had known when I was younger to have confidence in what I was saying. Mm. Um, you're not always going to be right, but that doesn't mean that your voice isn't valuable, that you shouldn't speak up. You should definitely weigh in on conversations and, and you know, learn more so you can, you, you know what you're talking about. But just because you aren't 100% sure all of the time, and this goes especially for women, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't say something and be part of the conversation. So I, I wish I had known that earlier.
0: Mm. And following on from that, um, thinking about the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did
1: you learn from it? Um, Yeah, I had a really huge and very public failure just a couple of years ago. I actually ran for office for Uh the State House of Representatives in Colorado to represent Denver. Um, I ran against five men and I was the only one at the time who was working full time. And I was also living with my sister and helping her raise her two year old. Mm -hmm. So um, we definitely had our hands full with with my niece and then, you know, with my full time job. Um, so I ran for office because I, I care passionately about my community, because I want to make sure that we have really good representatives in office because I think we need more women in office. Um, and I ended up coming in second in my race. And That's so it was good. like um, congratulations, That's really good. Thank you. I'm, pr- I'm very proud of the campaign that I ran. I wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, but it, it was definitely tough. It was a really public failure. I mean, I had asked everyone I knew and was sort of tangentially related to, I mean, everyone on LinkedIn, even for, you know, for money to help finance my campaign and for support. I had my friends had showed up for my photo shoots and for my events. Um, I had asked people for their expertise, because I want I needed to be educated on a number of issues, because I, you know, I'm a solar energy expert, but that, that didn't mean I knew I was an expert in education or, you know, or anything like that. So um, it, it was definitely hard. I felt like I let a community down and my, and my friends down and my family. Um, but I, once again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. If I could do it again, I would definitely, you know, I w- would still run. Um, and, I, and I'm proud of the campaign that I ran.
0: Yeah, no, you should be incredibly proud, especially running against five other men. I think the coming second is definitely such a great feat. <laughs> Thank you. It means I definitely have a lot more free time now than I would. Ever. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, what would also be one piece of advice you would give to somebody who is wanting to pursue a career in the solar industry or even just, you know, in sustainability? Um,
1: I would say do do your research and 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 figure out what, what it is you want to do and where you want to go and then and then start there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a part of my job and part of what I do is that I'm a lobbyist. And so I'll yeah. I'll talk to people once in a while and they'll say, that sounds really cool. I want to be a lobbyist, too. Um, and that's like me saying to an engineer, that sounds cool. Like, I'll just do that. It t- I mean, it it takes a lot of work to get to a career like that. So in order to be a lobbyist, I've worked for a number of um a number of legislators. I've worked for government agencies. I worked for the World Bank and then the British version of the EPA, DEFRA, um, although I think they've since changed their name, and so you need to you need to put in your time so that you understand the systems and the functions, so that you make connections. People, like I said, are really important. Um, so that I guess that would that would be my advice: is make sure you you um, you do things to build up what your career, what what you ultimately want your career to be. You can't you know you can't just start somewhere. You have to learn things along the way and make sure you. Um, you know, stick with it and 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 make sure you sort of put in your time to to figure out what the career entails. Definitely.
0: And for those who aren't really familiar with the sustainability industry or even the solar industry, what is one common myth that you would like to debunk about that industry? You know, uh, the stage is yours, I guess, for this one. <laughs>
1: um, I guess one myth I would like to debunk is I hear this from people once in a while. Is it's it's a small industry. It's such a small percentage of our electricity production. Yeah. Um, and and you know. We're just sort of going to leave it at that. And there are there are other things we need to pursue. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Well, first of all, everyone has to start somewhere. Um, And that being said, this industry is growing exponentially at this point where there's talk about how billions of dollars in investments are going toward clean energy. Um, I think something like 90 percent of new generation in the United States last year was was renewable so the industry is is growing and needs to keep growing in order for our, to so we can ensure this planet is habitable over the coming centuries. Um so the idea that it's just small and it it can't grow from there I think is is a huge myth. And I and I encourage people who are interested in this industry to join it. There's there's tons of space. Right now we have in the solar industry we have 200,000 213,000 people and we need 900,000 by 2035 to meet the administration's goals. So we need a ton of people and there's tons of space for people. And, you know, in every, in every sort of thing you're good at, finance and, and government affairs and, um, and lobbying and um, installation and labors, any, anything, uh, we need you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a message you had it here first. The solar <laughs> industry needs more people. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And I'm sure you're very busy at the moment, but um, what have you read or listened
1: to in your free time that's really inspired you? Um so right now I'm reading a book called Merchants of Doubt and it's um it's definitely not it's not light reading so it takes some it takes some time to get through um and I mean it's it's written by these two historians who are incredibly thorough like maybe almost too thorough sometimes um but the book is basically about how big industries have, you know, in the past hired scientists to help make the case for something that may go against more broad scientific consensus. So for example, the tobacco industry um, pushing back against the the correlation between tobacco and then lung cancer. And then the oil and gas industry hiring scientists to cast out on climate change, even though the overwhelming majority of scientists believe that it's that it's true that climate change exists, and we have to do something about it. There's a small subset of people that are hired to cast doubt on what are you know is, is really sort of standard beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm 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 only like 20 percent of the way through the book, so I think they cover other things, um, other issues. But it's it's fascinating to hear about sort of the tactics used and the people involved, and seeing how that's playing out over and over again still now. I mean, we we are not learning from history. It, lo- it looks like
0: surprising well let me know when you finish the book I think I definitely need to pick that one up
1: <laughs> well yeah you definitely when you are like really awake and have a lot of time it's hard to read right before bed <laughs> definitely requires maximum
0: concentration yes. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, following on from that who are
1: three people in your life who've been the most influential to you let's see those are good questions that's a good question um I guess one 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 people, I would say, is um, a group of people, which are my colleagues in the industry, in the renewable energy industry. I learn a ton from them. Um, they're the ones that have supported my career and um, and that I've worked side by side with, you know, changing laws and regulations to try to make the industry um, more open so that people have more choices and can install solar. So I'd have to say my colleagues in, in the industry Um, second, I would say my, my current boss, the CEO of Sanova, he's, he's a fascinating, wonderful person. Um, we're very different. And I think because of that, I learn a lot from him. We think very differently. Um, and so I really, I really appreciate his perspective, um, because he makes me think in ways that I, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so he's been really influential and, and I've worked with him for the past, for more than six years at this point. Um, and then I'd say the third person is probably my niece. She's now five. Um, and I, I had no idea how fun and amazing little people were before I met her. And it turns out I learned, I learned a ton from her. She's way cooler than I am already. Um, she knows TikTok dances and like, I, I have no idea where to start with that. Um, and she's, I mean, she's brilliant and, um, really fun. And so I, she's, She's definitely one of the most influential people in my life.
0: That's so awesome. And then finally, to sort of wrap up our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life?
1: I wish, and I still need to give myself this advice now. Um, I, I guess I would say is you're fine. Everything is fine. I have a tendency, and I think a lot of us do, to get really stressed out and be really worried about things that are happening or things we said or wrote, how we messed up and you know we haven't done enough work and we're behind on all our deadlines the thing is that we're fine everything is we're going to make the deadlines or not and if we don't the world is not going to end if we made a mistake we'll fix it if we did something wrong we'll 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 fix that later too so we are fine
0: yeah and as a college student that is definitely some very helpful advice i do often catch myself being caught up in you know the stress of everything
1: <laughs> I bet we all do and we forget We forget that, you know, life is wonderful and there's so much to do and there's so many great things out there and there will always be more work and always be things to stress about, but we are, we are fine. We're fine. Well, anyway, that was a lovely note
0: to end on. Thank you so much, Megan, for speaking with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I
1: appreciate that you're, that you're doing this podcast. Thank you. Bye. All right. We'll talk to you later.